Oh, thank you very much. You have this thing where when you talk, there's this delay after from us because we just are we just want to keep listening to you talk. Yeah, I'm like please don't That's, stop. Every, every time you stop talking, I'm like, oh, I gotta say something. Yeah. Like, just keep going. You can talk the whole time. We'll just sit here. So That's such uh, a compliment. Thank you. Yeah, so I guess we'll get started then. Yeah. And hey guys, this is Love in the Valley. I'm Christian and I'm Michaela. And we're here with Michelle today. And Michelle is a life coach who I guess you could say your specialty is mindfulness, right? Yeah. Um, so I call myself a mindfulness based life coach just because all of the different processes I use are founded and rooted in mindfulness. Um, but I do specialize in trauma healing actually. So trauma healing through mindfulness and um that includes a lot of somatic body centered work too awesome um yeah so you did a trauma workshop last weekend and we were both in that workshop yeah uh but i've also you've been coaching me for we did three months of coaching uh 12 weeks together and also she's like one of my best friends so <laughs> Big heart. um yeah and i can 100 percent attest to your ability uh to work with trauma and and help heal it because my experience with you was transformative as i said it was incredibly healing and i learned i learned a lot in our coaching session not even just the trauma workshop i did learn even more there but i learned a lot in our sessions about trauma in general and mine personally and how it was affecting my relationships how it was affecting my habits in life my um even my mindset at work so yeah i i just thought we need to have you on the show and and we need to help some people our yeah. show is big about entertainment but we want to help people and provide value and service to them in this field as well so yeah i absolutely love that and um you know often we are faced with obstacles in our lives right whether it is at work or whether it is in our relationships our home lives and it can be frustrating to try and get to the root of why we're not able to achieve our goals, why things aren't going the way we want. And more often than not, what we don't know about, what's not talked about is it goes back to trauma. Um, unresolved trauma, unhealed emotional baggage. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misunderstanding going on you know around what trauma is um it's often misrepresented yeah. and there's even like a lot of stigma or bias around it and so yeah. one of my passions is to really remove the um mystery around it and normalize it because it is an inescapable part of life yeah um yeah definitely inescapable i think everybody's got something something to work on right i think we can all agree on that um did you sorry it looked like you wanted to say something so I oh <laughs> i was just gonna say i was listening to a podcast uh, i think it was yesterday and they just said they were talking about trauma and they said trauma is 
living. Like if you're going to be alive, you're going to experience trauma. So I just thought it was really interesting because that's not really talked about. No, not at all. And uh, we, we live in a society that tends to really focus on comfort and mm-hmm. pleasure. And, you know, there's no shortage of instant gratifications basically everywhere nowadays. And with that, um, a lot of us have lost the capacity to be with the uncomfortable things, to be with the difficult things, to sit with them, to wade into them. Um, But that's where the healing happens. Like the healing and the magic is in those crunchy bits, those dark bits. And, you know, we often are afraid that if we go into them, we'll never recover. We won't be able to get out of the abyss. And that's just so not true. Um, And there's just a plethora of tools and things available, resources and people and coaches and counselors and stuff that can help us navigate that and build up that uh, resiliency and that toolkit for ourselves so that we can heal. And so we can, you know, like I said, achieve our goals, right? Even in relationships. Um, And I'm so pumped to be here today to talk about relationships because this, you know, it shows up in relationships. And I mean, even in my own relationship with my fiance, and, and I'm so grateful that I have the knowledge I have because him and I can literally like, call it for what it is and you know be like oh there's that like old trauma coming up and so it, but it enables us to have I love that I know and and enables us to have those those deep conversations and work through our stuff together um but you know if you don't know if that stuff isn't brought to the light and you don't have that knowledge of what's actually going on you know then it can be far more painful. There could be a lot more suffering um, in our relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Before we dive in real quick, I just want to uh, give people a little insight into who you are and why you do this. Um, So yeah, uh, please introduce yourself a little bit and just give us a one to two minute rundown. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so I'm Michelle Metta with Michelle Metta Coaching. And as I said, I'm a mindfulness-based life coach. I'm also a Buddhist meditation teacher um, specializing in trauma recovery and trauma healing through somatic, body-centered, mindfulness-based approaches. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I got into this work because I myself am a trauma survivor, like we said, almost all of us are. And uh, for myself, I actually have a genetic lung disease called cystic fibrosis. And so that's something I was born with. And I mean, you know, I was born three months premature as well. So, you know, already I had some of those hardships coming into the world. And yeah, and then, you know, as a result of that, I, um, I missed a lot of school growing up. And so school, as Kristen knows, um, <laughs> shout out to uh, high school homies. Um, Ross Shepard. Yeah. Oh, but, is that how you know each yeah, other? Yeah, we yeah. met each other. We oh, okay. met each other in high Way back in the yeah. day. Aww. Yeah. But uh, school just became a place to socialize. And I ended up, you know, kind of getting into trouble and and was quite a, like, rebellious youth. And, um, and then that led to a lot of other traumatic events and incidences involving alcohol and, like, different intoxicants. And so, you know, that compounding one trauma on top of another 
And essentially that led to, you know, um, my own struggles with blackout drinking and with disordered eating, which I struggled with for, um, you know, eight, eight years approximately um, until I was able to begin my own healing and recovery journey. And big surprise, trauma healing was the, uh, the foundation of that healing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came through Buddhism, actually, meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. And so um, that's why I'm so passionate about all of these different topics and just about helping people navigate and wade through that because we're all delivered that truckload of dung, right? Like we all, we all open our door one day and it's like, oh, thanks universe. Like totally didn't order that. And I'm pretty sure I ordered a truck full of pizza. Not, not this, this is not appetizing. Exactly. And, and we're like WTF, what do we do with this? And so most of us, you know, like put it in our pockets and we're just like trying to carry it. And it's just like oozing out and it's just like reeking to the high heavens and it's, it's impacting everybody around us. Um, and so these practices of trauma healing, you know, with Buddhism, mindfulness, meditation, allow us to turn that dung, that crap into fertilizer for our garden. Um, and one of my favorite monks. That. Yeah. That's, cool. he, that's a great analogy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I cannot say that that's mine. Um, I got that from lovely Ajahn Brahm. But uh, yeah, he okay. says that that's how our juicy mango trees grow is using that, that crap, that trauma, that pain as fertilizer. That makes sense. I used okay, I had a saying like that, actually, I, that I made up in work one time. This was like 10 years ago. And Uh-oh. I used to say, I used to say, if you shit on me, I can't do anything with that. But if you give me shit, I can turn it into fertilizer. Noted. <laughs> so for, That's for employer, awesome. For, yeah, for employers and managers, don't shit on your employees. Give them shit so they can make something out of it. <laughs> Fine line to ride, but you know. I really like that too because you know, uh, before coaching, I was actually a secondary school teacher, and that kind of reminds me right. too of yeah, when you're working with kids, right? It's like you want to. Um, Tell them that you're disappointed in their behavior, like that's a crappy behavior versus you are a crappy person, right? So yes. that's what that reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, and that's something else you and I have had in common and had um, conversations about. You were a school teacher. I was a martial arts teacher, and we've had some decent conversations about that. Uh, and also, we had someone ask a pretty... Uh, big question. We'll dive into that a little later, but uh, it involves, I think just your insight with your personal experiences is going to help her out a lot, uh, awesome. even aside from your skill set. But let's, I want to know, because I learned this in your workshop, I didn't understand the definition of trauma. Mm. Because, and I think that in and of itself, when I was listening, I was like, that alone is so powerful because it allows people to accept um, what's happening. I think just knowing that that definition allows people to accept the word and accept that Mm. this is impactful, right? These things that are happening are impactful and they can be healed. Yeah, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah, (laughs) no, 100%. And so there's a definition and then there's this kind of understanding even scientifically too. 
um, which mm. maybe I can speak to, you know, in a few words. But yeah, so the definition yeah. of trauma is literally anything that overwhelms the brain's capacity to cope. Mm -hmm. In other words, emotionally overwhelming and distressful situations and events. How many of us have experienced overwhelming, overwhelmingly oh, emotional, yes. distressful <laughs> events? Um, All of us. We're not living in a pandemic here or anything, right? Yeah, right. no kidding. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. And then like, you know, scientifically to break that down, um, it really has a lot to do with the physiological responses that happen in the body when we are faced with perceived threats. Because, of course, when we're faced with a perceived threat, then our amygdala activates, which is like that bodyguard in the brain, right? Fight, flight, freeze. And if for whatever reason in that situation, if we're unable to fight, defend ourselves, or we're unable to escape and get away, then we enter that third response, which is actually the most primitive response, the most reptilian response which is the freeze. And, you know, with animals that's seen as basically playing dead. And it's kind of like the last resort before death, before being killed, before being destroyed. And when we go into the freeze, um, we have the cortisol and the adrenaline and all of those hormones coursing through our bodies. And if for some reason, when the threat actually leaves and dissipates and we're not able to expel all of that heightened supercharged energy that's coursing through our nervous system that turns into trauma and we end up with trauma symptoms like anxiety depression uh, hypervigilance dissociation um, even like self-sabotaging behaviors as ways to cope uh, because we have all of this energy that is biologically supposed to be dispelled from our body uh, and and we just haven't had the ability to do that and so what I really help people do is learn how to harness uh, the body's innate wisdom those biological mechanisms that we have to actually allow us to dispel that energy and to be able to move out of the freeze state and release that energy so those symptoms eventually dissipate and That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And again, like my experience with you, we went through quite a few of those moments where I literally was physiologically able to remove that from my body, like where I was in the freeze. And then um, as you talked about in your workshop, how that animals will literally go somewhere and hide and shake the the cortisol out and shake the trauma out of their body that was literally happening to me as I was doing, uh, as we were rooting out those traumas. It was exactly. a really, um, I'm looking for the, the right word. Amazing experience. There's another word I want, but <laughs> transformational. <laughs> transformation. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. That's a good word. Yeah. Transformational experience. Yeah. 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 And just to speak on, on that and I think anybody who has really been able to get through their traumas can attest to this is when you actually complete that when you complete that cycle um, you end up not 
being able to remember what it feels like. You can remember, I can remember what I did. I can remember the behaviors, but I can't remember the feeling, which is an amazing experience. It's, that's like, I'm getting shivers down my spine talking about it. Yeah. Even when I go to write content sometimes, I'm like, what was it like when I was like in the midst of trauma? Like I have to try and, you know, remember that and bring that to mind to, to be able to um, speak to people. And sometimes it's even hard to remember what that was like and how bad it was. And I actually just received a testimonial from a client yesterday who said the exact same thing, Christian, like she forgets how far she has come already in the uh, four months that we've been working together. And, you know, often we'll do check-ins at the beginning of the coaching and I'll be like, what are your celebrations? And then if the client's struggling, I will point out a ton of celebrations and then they'll be like, oh yeah, like I have done that and, and I have come that far. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> sorry. No, no, no I just don't want to hog the show, man. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> Come on, Michaela. Um, <laughs> well, I actually was gonna say that I have like a few years of experience with somatic experiencing. Um, I started um, that kind of counseling probably like four years ago or five years ago, and then I stopped, and now I'm in therapy and I'm doing it again, and it really is so crazy how your body is so intelligent and how it knows what to do and I've learned through somatic experiencing what I need to do to be less anxious and um you know work those like one thing is that I've really amped up my physical activity because Mm. that helps me feel calm and it helps my body to regulate and uh i used to not be like super active and now i have like the most active job ever i'm a dog walker <laughs> and but it really helps like i, I think... know i'm jealous of that job man <laughs> just sends me pictures of dogs all day <laughs> it's the best job ever. getting paid to walk dogs i know it's amazing and this job has really helped me work through some of my trauma and regulate because I'm staying active and all that like pent up emotion, pent up energy gets out while like during my day, every single day. Um, And there's other techniques that I use too, which I'm sure Christian has used when he's coaching with you, but it's really amazing. And I'm so glad that you are helping people through somatic experiencing. That's amazing. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love it too. (laughs) I love it too. I feel blessed. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's such rewarding work to watch people's transformations and, and to help people become empowered and move out of that outer locus of control. Um, you know, feeling like really stressed out by all these things in their lives to the inner locus of control, realizing that, you know, stress isn't actually so much about those things around us, but how we internalize it and how we interpret it. And we have control and power over that um, right through, again, healing that trauma and regulating ourselves, regulating our autonomic nervous system and our emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, with the uh, theme of relationships, too, it's quite interesting because there is something called a trigger, right? An emotional trigger, which we've all experienced. And mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. an emotional yeah. trigger is, yeah, 
when someone says something or does something that like really sets us off. And sometimes even our reactions don't seem to make sense. So they seem to be dramatic or over the top. And we ourselves might not even know why we're reacting that way. Um, and that actually ultimately goes back to trauma. It goes back to painful past learning that has been stored in the mind, in the brain. And when things come into our different sense doors, so our eyes, our ears, our nose, like somebody says something with a certain tone of voice mm -hmm. or they give us a certain look and our brain takes that information in through the anterior cingulate and then again sends that message to the amygdala. The amygdala activates and it goes into fight or flight um, or like aggression, avoidance type of behaviors in the present moment. And we're not actually reacting to that person, our loved one um, or that situation, but rather we're reacting to the painful past experiences that are hijacking our perceptual awareness in the present moment, causing us to perceive a threat where there is actually little to no real danger. It feels very upsetting. It feels like a danger to the brain, but again, it's because of that trauma that has been stored mm -hmm. and unprocessed. Mm -hmm. One thing you said in your workshop that really hit me hard because I really, I didn't connect the two. Um, and I'm just paraphrasing, but yeah. you said that, um, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, we experience the same things over and over and over again. And we think that this is just destiny. This is just what our lot in life, but it's actually trauma. And that really hit me hard because I've experienced that in dating where I think like, why does the same situation keep happening? All men are the same. All women <laughs> yeah. are the same. Right. Exactly. And for me, like, I mean, it's a multitude of factors, you know, because of trauma, I seek out the same event, or I respond the same way to certain triggers instead of knowing how to work through it. And yeah, I just thought that was, it just really hit me. I love that. Um, Carl Jung's quote, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I don't know if I got that right word for word but yeah it's that same it idea sounds right <laughs> sounds legit we'll go with yeah, that exactly. um but that awesome. whole idea um what you're talking about what you're speaking to Michaela is actually reenactment and trauma mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and so that definitely shows up in relationships that's actually oh, one yeah. of the areas it shows up the most and so again you know when we've gone through painful situations, especially in childhood with our father or our mother, um, that can really shape our perception and, and who we attract into our lives. Because what's happening is at an unconscious level, our mind is seeking out people or events and situations that have that same felt sense to the original trauma so that we can move out of the free state or out of that immobility state and heal. But yeah. the caveat to this is that our conscious mind is actually terrified of going back into the freeze because it feels very scary, right? Because going into the freeze, if it's unsuccessful, if we're 
not victorious at moving out of it the way that we're supposed to, it causes feelings of helplessness. It causes feelings of shame. It causes feelings of terror and like extreme discomfort. So the conscious mind is like constantly overriding that process, even though unconsciously we're trying to heal it by who we attract into our lives. And again, this is why it's so imperative for us to work on healing our trauma, bring these things from the unconscious up to the conscious to be examined, to be understood, and to be healed so that we can start making more intentional decisions for ourselves and being more intentional with who we bring into our lives. And that trauma bondage won't be there anymore. Um, We won't be necessarily attracting in those codependent relationships or those unhealthy relationships because we've healed that. Mm-hmm. And that's a big trauma thing I work bondage. On. That's a that's a good phrase. <laughs> <laughs> good phrase for our Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hey honey, head to the bedroom and go into our trauma bondage. Do some trauma bondage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you sure your last name is Garen and not Gray, Kristen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um just just something real quick to note because um as, as you said, the definition of trauma, it's an overload of emotion. The brain can't handle the emotional state or the what is happening, right? So, but it, a traumatic event doesn't, a traumatic trauma doesn't need to be a traumatic event. It doesn't need to be one instance of massive emotional angst. It can be incremental. And it can be nagging and small over time. It's almost like when it's almost like uh, like water torture, right? When you drop one drop of water on somebody's head every minute for like ten hours straight, it drives them insane. It drives them insane, right? So I kind of thought about it that way because that's some of the trauma that uh, you and I released from me was it wasn't a lot of it wasn't actually traumatic moments. It was this nagging thing that happened when I was younger and it just kind of built up built up and you don't even notice it's so subtle that it's just a part of who you are now you don't you can't work through it on your own because you can't you don't remember what happened yes so happy you brought that up Um, again this is where that misunderstanding around trauma really shows up in society it's not necessarily those big catastrophes those big events um, you know like suicide of a family member or war um, or, you know, sexual assault or that childhood abuse. Yeah, it can be a plethora of different things that create trauma. And it's actually not even the event itself. It's our internalization of the event. So it's how it's perceived by each one of us. And it's really subjective. And so it can be, you know, something like having a aggressive parent or um, having a boss who's a bully or, um, you know, or like a really dysfunctional relationship, uh, an emotionally abusive relationship, a manipulative relationship. Like there is no end to what can cause trauma in an individual. Yeah, I think. And we see that in individuals who work in i guess you could say like the military or emergency services Mm -hmm. um some people can just do that job day in day out and then others they encounter an event on that job and it shuts them down Mm 
and then others yet still do the job for so long and then they break over time and so yeah i think yeah that's that's a that's a really good point it's so subjective to the person yeah, and then, I mean, that gets into the different types of trauma too, right? Because there's primary, yeah. secondary, tertiary. So it's not even <laughs> something that happens to us. can be if we're talking to someone and we hear a story that's traumatic or we mm-hmm. witness another person's trauma or if we're even in the vicinity of traumatized people with highly dysregulated nervous systems and our nervous system picks up on that and we can experience trauma as a result of that. That I yeah, if you can just take a minute and teach us about that, because um, I think some people are going to listen to that and think it's kind of like a woo woo, like we don't pick up on other people's energy kind of thing. But I, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that just real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, as I was saying, yeah, you have those three categories of trauma. So primary trauma is when we ourselves go through something traumatic, but then there's secondary trauma, and it's also known as vicarious trauma. And so this is when, like I said, we hear about or we witness another individual or group of people going through something traumatic and we become traumatized through seeing that or hearing about it. And this can even show up with movies, Um, people becoming traumatized by watching a really scary movie or watching something on the news and then experiencing trauma, experiencing extreme anxiety because of that which is that trauma symptom sure um and then yeah lastly is that uh, tertiary trauma it's also known as environmental trauma and so as you were talking about with those first aid responders right or even people in the helping professions um that's like a great example of where this can show up but being in that environment with people who have a lot of trauma because trauma causes a dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system and it puts people in sympathetic dominance where they're always jacked up. They're always in that kind of fight flight um, state, like the majority of the time. And so being in that presence can throw your own autonomic nervous system off and you can then uh, pick up on that dysregulation and you can go from parasympathetic all the way over to sympathetic and then start feeling that heightened energy and that anxiety and that can cause trauma in you. That's so interesting. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, the really positive thing to that though, like, cause this, you know, this can sound depressing, but you know, there's also a positive to all of this stuff. There's something called co-regulation. And so co-regulation is when one person is able to regulate his or her autonomic nervous system someone who has those tools and those skills, and then as a result is able to help calm down and regulate the nervous systems of those in his or her vicinity. And so that's the opposite, right? And that's why, again, I'm so passionate about teaching mindfulness to people because mindfulness gives us that emotional regulation and we can then um, through um, being close to people through vicinity, help calm other people down and And when I was teaching, this was a godsend for me because I worked with high-risk youth and teens with special needs. And I had a lot of students who had behavioral challenges. And so not only me teaching them mindfulness, but also me doing the practices to stay regulated really had a positive impact on my students. 
That's amazing. Yeah, my roommate is actually amazing at this because she works with children and like children that, um, you know, I don't know how to have behavioral issues. I don't know the best way to say that. But um, I've had panic attacks before around her and she she gets down to the ground. She starts speaking really quietly and she's just like letting me just like say what I have to say. And she's very calm and she's so good at like bringing my energy back down and and because she's so experienced with working with children who have trauma and who do get triggered regularly so it's pretty mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's powerful and that can even be used in relationships right mm-hmm. um because often what we do is when one person is triggered then we usually react to that yeah and then that just <laughs> yeah. perpetuates the situation right but if one of us can understand what's happening and see what's going on and even be able to not take it personally like okay I know that this reaction is probably not even fully about me maybe it's going back to some stuff that's happened to my partner in in his or her past Um, and being able to stay calm to keep yourself regulated as Mm -hmm. your partner's having that reaction um, yeah can just really de-escalate the situation really nicely yeah that's it that's so interesting um yeah i I use it all the time with my partner (laughs) (laughs) all the time Mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah so lucky (laughs) Uh, i want to be mindful of your time so i want to just dive into dating and relationships real quick yeah Uh, so last week you i don't know if it was you or somebody else who said something like when we're when we're involved in relationships with other people, maybe we're dating somebody new or maybe we're dating somebody for a long time, uh, but it's almost like you're placing a filter uh, on them. It's like you're placing a filter on your reality based on your trauma, right? Um, so let's start with let's start with dating. Just you're, you're a single person, um, you're a single person and you're in the field what are ways that you've talked to people that this can present? Like, what are some of the challenges that um, you've seen or heard with people who are in the dating field? And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with maybe having a tendency to end up in the same types of relationships, attracting the same types of people. And, um, and again, until that's like brought up to the surface, until we are aware of those patterns, um, we aren't necessarily able to um, escape them. And we can end up in, in certain types of, of relationships that may not be in alignment with us or for um, our greatest good. And so again, just being able to um, <clears throat> even do some reflecting on past relationships, seeing some of those patterns in those relationships and looking at what is the common story? What are the common thoughts the common dialogue that comes up? Maybe it's in all of these relationships, I don't feel important. Or in all of these relationships, um, I'm being, I'm ending up as like the mother and taking care of this person. So really looking at those patterns and then you know, trying to identify maybe where those originated. When else have you felt that way in your life? When else 
have you experienced those patterns? Um, and it can be really helpful to even do some investigating of childhood too and your relationships with your, your mom and your dad and because lots of those patterns often present again in our dating lives. And so even just having that piece of clarity can be a good starting place for building that intentionality. Yeah, um, I'd agree with 100% with that, that uh, the experience I had just, I guess, to relate to other people, other men who are dating, the something that sticks out in my mind, a pattern was, I would start talking to somebody. And you know, I used to use a lot of dating apps and stuff like that. I don't anymore. But um, just because I don't have time. <laughs> who does? <laughs> uh, and that feels good, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, a pattern that would show up is people would just stop talking to me. Women would just stop talking to me and ghost me, right? And I know ghosting itself is a common theme mm -hmm. for both men and women. But what I did notice is it was the fact that I was always presenting unconfident speech. The things I was saying were very unconfident. And we were talking about this with one of the Reddit comments we saw yesterday when someone was oh, concerned yep. someone yep, was yep, concerned yep. about a mm -hmm. date they were going on with this yeah. like really beautiful woman and he was so into her and he spent the whole thread he wanted advice but he spent the whole thread talking about how he was like a, a below average person he didn't make a lot of money and all this kind of stuff um and i think just finding yeah for me fi looking back and seeing that pattern where it was just a lot of unconfident speech and the things I was saying and how I was presenting myself uh, was able to just make an analytical change on things. Yeah. So I think that really comes down to limiting beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are the limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves? Again, going back to those painful past experiences and, and being able to shed the light on those limiting beliefs. And then, um, you know, through whatever, venue we have whether it's therapy or whether it's even just like some self-exploration but working through that and then trying to harness in the more empowering beliefs about ourselves so how would we rather feel what are the results we'd rather be having and spend yeah. time wading into that and um and that's even where affirmations can come in really positive and, and really powerfully is when they're from us and they're countering those limiting beliefs that we're holding about ourselves. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, yeah, that's really good advice. Um, did you have a question on that? Or? Um, no, I just like, I can totally relate <laughs> in my dating life, you know, like just when you said, you know, being with someone uh, where you don't feel important. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have so many relationships like that where I felt like I just didn't matter. And I just kept getting into them and thinking like, why is this happening? And it totally goes back to childhood and a whole bunch of like stuff from the past. And so just, I mean, now I'm working through all of the stuff, but it's really illuminating for sure. Yeah. And it's so great that you brought that up because, um, there's that book, The Five Languages of Love, right? And it's super popular. Um, and my partner and I had a conversation about this recently <clears throat> because we were talking about how 
even though it can be really helpful, um, I think it also does need to be exercised with a little bit of discernment because this is where it can get sticky and gooey is if we're totally putting all of our expectations on our partner to fulfill those needs for us mm-hmm. um, because we have a void within ourselves because of our own past trauma. Um, and it can sometimes develop like a codependency bond versus when we're able to understand maybe why we're feeling lack in that area and why uh, we're not feeling our needs met in that area and just do some of that exploration for ourselves. And then of course, you know, be able to have those healthy relationships with our partner. You know, I, I do prefer this way of being loved. Um, and also work on ourselves and then move towards interdependence. So you have mm-hmm. two independent people who are working on themselves, who are healing. And because of that mutual respect and love, moving in the same direction together, being supportive. But again, it's not coming from lack and scarcity and that trauma bond. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. God, I'm so good. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. um, I have my I have issues with that book. So do you? I people use it. My issue is that people use it as a crutch and they go, this is the way. Right. And and people just go, well, you need to know my love language and you need to read this book. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know it. I know the book. It doesn't solve everything. <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 complex. It's not simple. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, absolutely. And and it can be super easy to get hung up on um, wanting the other person to meet all of these needs. But then again, that kind of disempowers us from maybe doing some healing on ourselves and finding why there's like a lack there, why there's something missing there and filling that ourselves. Yeah. Meeting our own needs. Yes. Yeah. Cause I feel like, I don't know what it's like for guys, but with my female friends in the past and some of them like presently, they will say like, oh, your your man needs to do this and this and this and this. And if he doesn't do all these things, he doesn't love you. And, you know, I used to have those beliefs too. And then I realized I need to be doing those things for myself. I need to get those things for myself. And of course, your partner should be meeting some of your needs. That's a relationship. But if you feel empty because someone is not constantly catering to you. I think I saw something on Instagram that said your uh, partner should spend all of his time with you. It's just, that's crazy. That's such a big thing to expect out of someone. And I don't know if guys tell each other cons- I'm very concerned for Gen Z with TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, we expect our partner to be everything when we need to step up and take care of ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Um, because yeah, it, it always comes down to us. Like we're the ones we wake up with. We're the ones we go to sleep with we've been there for ourselves our whole lives and we always will be and Mm -hmm. um you know life isn't permanent things change people sometimes come and go and so where are we left when people come and go when there is breakups when there are divorces when there are these painful things lost and death um and if we've been leaning on the other person to fulfill those needs and those voids within ourselves well you know, then there's a lot of suffering that comes with that. And and what is love really? 
And is love like you need to do these things for me? You need to fulfill my needs? Or is it, you know, I'm going to fulfill my needs. I'm going to become a whole person and you're going to become a whole person. And instead of being two halves that come together to make one whole, we're going to be two wholes that come together, not yeah. because we have to out of lack and need, but because we want to, because yeah. we enjoy each other's company, we add to one another's lives and we can move in the direction of our goals together in a really healthy, fulfilling way. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, what I want. <laughs> we're, we got a couple of questions for you. Yes, um, awesome. Did you already ask your question? No, you had a question, right? I did yeah, have a okay. question. You go ahead. Um, so through my own, um, you know, therapy experience, I realized that I didn't recognize my body's signals telling me when someone wasn't safe safe in many different ways um and that someone made me feel uncomfortable or i just like didn't feel okay around them and it was only through therapy where i realized like oh my body is telling me like you need to not be in this situation or be around that person and so i think that i don't know about guys but i think for women um we tend to kind of ignore those signals and i guess i was wondering um what advice would you give to someone who's trying to, you know, recognize who's safe and who's not? Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely um, what happens with trauma is we become disconnected yeah. from ourselves, right? It causes mm -hmm. fragmentation and disconnect and we lose touch with our bodies. We lose touch with that intuition. Um, so I mean, like a really simple way to kind of experiment with that would be to think about times where you didn't listen, um, you didn't really pay attention to how you were feeling and it turned out bad. And then in retrospect, you were kind of like, yeah, I think the signals were there. Or I think maybe there was a sense, a felt sense that that was unsafe, but I ignored it. And then really trying to get in touch with like, what were those signals? What were those signs in your body? Um, and if, you know, you're not able to get in touch with that. Nothing really comes up. You can also just make a um, intention for yourself to just start noticing throughout the day when people are asking you to do things or stuff is coming up, really starting to be mindful of what your reaction to that is and, and what shows up in the body. Because we do have signals. Yeah. And the more we spend time reflecting on that, the more we can build trust in ourselves and build trust in that intuition. Like, yeah, I get this feeling in the pit of my stomach every time something feels off or, um, you know, I get this tightness in my chest. So it definitely is a practice and it takes time to begin to trust ourselves and learn that. Um, but I think intention and mindfulness is the key to begin to um, rebuild that lost connection. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, on that note, I had a very brief relationship with somebody uh, and I was experiencing uh, very vivid physical symptoms uh, during during that time. Um, and I thought I thought I was somebody who had like anxiety. And the truth is, is that I don't I do not have anxiety disorder. 
right? I have experienced it, it in certain times of my life. But at this time in my life, I thought, oh my God, this is my anxiety at its peak, right? I don't have it. It was, it was the relationship I was in. I was having these crazy pit of the gut symptoms, um, emotional breakdowns once or twice a week. And really all of that was coming from me not listening to myself <laughs> and just, you know, trying to force myself through this situation and, uh, you know, to just to take accountability for my own actions. Like I, I should have listened to my body. I should have been listening to what was going on and made decisions a little closer based on that instead of just ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. And so in hindsight for yourself, it sounds like that anxiety that was there mm-hmm. is like definitely one of those signs that we were talking about um, for you to notice in the future and pay attention to if that's showing up for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, it and has. how did that manifest in your body? Uh, so it was it was like a pit of the gut feeling. I would I would experience that. Um, a re- massively reduced appetite. I was barely eating and also couldn't sleep i wasn't sleeping at all and what else lots of crying just like burst into crying like like breakdowns right um yeah and it's just uh it's actually amazing to think about it because i haven't thought about it in a while and to to think about it and i was like man that was really intense you've come so far though (laughs) i feel like i have since i really really feel like i have yeah 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 um so we have uh, one one of our very supportive followers. We don't want to mention any names when we ask questions on the show, but a uh, very supportive follower has a pretty personal question. So she asks, will narcissistic people ever change? I've been dragged through hell and back with so many broken promises. I feel like I've finally had enough. I've put up with over 10 years of bullshit and I'm staying for the wrong reasons. Her daughter. My tears have turned to anger, and I'm feeling completely lost. Mm. Yeah, well, I first just want to acknowledge, um, you know, this person's experience and, and all of the sadness and all of that anguish that's coming up around that. And um, yeah, just you know, sending love and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, lots and lots of acknowledgement around that. And yes, narcissism can be healed. Absolutely. It can be healed if a person wants to heal it. Right. And if they are in a space where they're willing to, you know, maybe acknowledge that there's some work that needs to be done and they're open to doing the deep work around that and the deep trauma work around that because typically narcissism um, arises out of extreme neglect. That's one of the main causes uh, in childhood. And, Mm. um, you know, it's not necessarily about being broken, flawed or damaged. It's an over adaptation to those really painful childhood experiences. And uh, narcissism can cause just a lot of really strong defenses and walls around a person's heart. And, um, and sometimes with that, you know, can come some self-serving behaviors. And it's really out of survival. They're operating still out of that survival from childhood. Because in childhood, 
we need um, connection to our parents, right? We look to them for those those needs of love and connection. And when those aren't there, that can be very impactful um, and have a lot of negative ramifications. And that being said, you know, um, I would really lovingly encourage this person to also maybe um, seek out some support for herself too, mm -hmm. to maybe mm -hmm. start yeah. repairing and healing um, some of her own perhaps wounds around that um, and taking care of herself because, or himself, because, um, you know, it can, having, being in that kind of a relationship can also take an impact on one's own soul and spirit, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. Big time. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to add anything else to that or? Well, I just wanted to say I appreciate how compassionate you are um, for both people in this situation because I think it would be easy for some people to say like, oh, this person's a narcissist, they're terrible, that kind of thing. But I just really like how you said, you know, it could be from trauma and all of that. And that really does shed a light on the situation. But also that the person that asked the question does need to take care of themselves too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think forgiveness is a big, big component in the healing journey. Um, and, you know, when we are working through our trauma and it comes to that forgiveness, it's important to remember that we don't forgive necessarily for the other person. And we don't forgive to say that what they did was okay, but forgiveness is all about taking care of ourselves and our heart because as the Buddha said, you know, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah. And mm. it, it affects us. <laughs> it poisons us, right? It creates toxins within ourselves. So yeah. we don't forgive for the other people we forgive for ourselves. And so, um, you know, just really wanting to emphasize the healing quality that comes with the forgiveness work too. That I, that's something that I struggle with is, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but with forgiveness, because of course, like you don't want to forgive that person. You don't feel like, oh, well, I mean, if they haven't said, if they haven't apologized, um, you know, you don't want to forgive them and let that go. So it would be a recommendation to start walking through that forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a tender area, and mm -hmm. you're a hundred percent not alone in that. And and I yeah. I do a lot of forgiveness work um, with clients, and and it's just a very gentle process, and and you know, and it can take multiple sessions, and it can take time, and it can be a gradual thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of grace has to be given for that, um, you know, not rushing or forcing people to forgive when they're not ready, mm -hmm. but um ultimately again i think it's just that understanding that you know it affects us and it yeah. impacts us when we're holding on to that and hurt people hurt people yeah and yeah. and the more we can have like a wise view of the situation like a zoomed out bird's eye view and perspective um that can also really be supportive in remembering that you know probably wasn't personal that prob person probably had a lot of their own trauma that wasn't healed. And again, it's not justifying it, but it's having that level of understanding so we can have maybe some 
maybe a little bit of compassion, just like mm -hmm. a window of compassion, you know, to understand what would cause a person to behave in such a way and to hurt other people in that way. Because when we hurt other people, we hurt ourselves. So they're also hurting themselves through that behavior. Yeah. yeah. Um, journaling so can be really helpful, Michaela. Just journaling and getting a lot of those feelings and emotions out. Um, and even like visualizations too, mm. like with like letting go, I'm going to let go, going to wish, you know, I'm going to turn this over to the universe or, or God or whatever, and, um, wish the best for all concerned and for myself. Mm -hmm. So those are some Thanks, steps. Michelle. Thanks for yeah. those steps. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, just really quickly and without, I guess the, without saying this person should do this or xyz um maybe what what from your personal experience and your training would you say maybe is an exit point for a relationship like that's just they need to leave and they don't know when not necessarily yeah. this person that asked the question but just mm -hmm. in general. yeah so I, I would really encourage body-centered work for really getting in touch with that deeper intuition. Um, and so, you know, a way that that could, could work is having different possibilities written out and then looking at the first possibility and then really closing the eyes and going into the body and noticing what's happening in the body and what reactions the body is having to that thought of that one idea, that one possibility. That's so cool, That's Michelle. Cool. I yeah. love that so yeah. much. That was immensely helpful during our sessions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, you know, doing the same for the other outcome and just really seeing what the body's answer and the body's response to that is. Um, and again, what you do ultimately with that information is up to you, but the body yeah. doesn't lie. And there's a lot of wisdom and intelligence there. That's amazing. Um, so I guess we're at an hour now. So we're, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No. So if you could give everybody listening, uh, even if you've already covered it, two bullet point things that you could just do every day to help yourself um, and help your relationships, what would those two things be? Yeah, so um, ultimately, I think awareness. So just really spending time reflecting on, you know, relationships, reflecting on how things are going, perhaps in your love relationship, and maybe looking at some patterns that have shown up for you and really trying to identify where those go back to. So having that element of awareness, which is always number one. And then I'd say, you know, because I'm such an advocate of mindfulness would be um, learning some mindfulness techniques for yourself to help with that emotional regulation um, throughout the day, um, throughout interactions with people when you're feeling triggered to bring yourself out of threat response into um, relaxation and parasympathetic state versus that sympathetic fight or flight state. So those would be my two very simple top takeaways, um, you know, for people. Awesome. around dating and relationships yeah That's and of course you know if if anyone 
is interested in the work I do and in contacting me, um, I do offer private one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so, you know, they can go ahead and reach out to me at Michelle Mecca Coaching um, on Instagram or on my website, michellemecca.com. Um, and I would also be happy to support people too in their journeys. That's awesome. I was just going to ask you to plug your stuff. So yeah, you just did it anyway. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> 10 out of 10. You're recommend. so seamless. <laughs> <laughs> You've done this before. <laughs> Not my first rodeo. Not my first rodeo. That's so wicked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. also, I just want to maybe add to that, too, um, because you guys were talking about the trauma workshop. Um, it's called yeah. The Healer Within. And so I just had one recently last weekend. And my next one will be in the fall time in September. So people can, of course, follow me on socials. And I will be sharing more information about that. So if they miss the past workshop, they can always catch my next one in the fall. Do you do other do you do kinds other of workshops kind of as well? Um, so primarily, that's the main one that I offer. Okay. Um, I have done some on um, stress reduction. And um, I actually have a group coaching that's going to be coming up in the fall too. And it's oh, going to right. be yeah. highly focused. Yeah, it's going to be a highly focused program on uh, actually identifying triggers, learning about trauma and your response to triggers and um, giving people those tools for regulating themselves and for going out into the world, facing those perceived threats, um, using those regulation, self-regulation, emotional regulation techniques, um, just to begin being more intentional and being able to show up as the men and women that they want to show up as. So I'm really pumped up about the group coaching too. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, I do, because it's the first time we've used this program. I just need you to stick around for a couple minutes just to make sure. I think we have your section of the video. <laughs> we, we don't want to lose that. <laughs> I um, hope not. Nope. Awesome. <laughs> Although it's been great hanging out, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been awesome. We'd love to do it again. Uh, so good. Um, do you have anything else? Uh, just thank you so much. Yeah, thank for, you. Thank you very uh, much. Sitting down with us virtually. Um, I think the work that you're doing is really wonderful, and I really appreciate your insight. And yeah, I'm hoping that I can spend more time talking to you, maybe in coaching or yeah. You're just a great. You're a great person. I think it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you well, I'm a big fan of you guys too. So it's Aww. mutual. Oh, thank you, very much. you have this thing where when you talk, there's this delay after from us because we just are, we just want to keep listening to you talk. Yeah. I'm like, please don't That's, stop. Every, every time you stop talking, I'm like, oh, I got to say something. Yeah. Like, just keep going. You can talk the whole time. We'll just sit here. Okay. That's such uh, a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> That's receiving amazing. receiving um mad love mad appreciation <laughs> thank you yeah thank awesome. you yeah it's been wonderful thanks guys so much um such an honor and a pleasure yeah thank you very much really appreciate thanks, it Michelle. um yeah okay so if you can stick around for a minute and well guys our lovers we call them lovers <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is love in the valley i'm christian and i'm michaela and this has been Michelle Meta. You can check her out at Michelle Meta on Instagram and michellemeta.com, right? Michelle Meta Michelle Coaching. Coaching. Michelle Meta and michellemeta.com. Yeah. Cool. Great. Awesome. Yes. Please, please come. Thank please you. follow. Connect. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you.